What a crazy, cool song. If you don't know who that was, if you don't know who the boss is, I am so, so sorry. What a crazy, crazy, cool song. I've heard that song pretty much all my life. In fact, a funny factoid for you today. One of the guys knew we were playing that song today, and lo and behold, today is the 33rd anniversary of that album coming out, which is crazy. Um, But I was listening to that song, which I enjoyed a couple weeks ago, and for the first time in my life, besides the chorus of glory days, I actually listened to the words of the song. You ever done that? Like you've been singing along to songs for all your life and you have no idea what they say, kind of like when you come to church sometimes and you mumble a little bit and, oh, oh, okay, all right. I'm listening to that song and I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that he's singing about in the song. You know what he's doing? He's telling the story of his old friend and all the guy ever talks about are his glory days from high school. You know the guy, right? Like, he was really awesome in high school. He was the big man on campus, and he went on in life to do nothing. If that's you, I hope I didn't offend you. Wow. So here's the deal, guys. I've got a big birthday coming up this year, and for some of you, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, man, That guy's getting really, really old. Some of you are going to look at me and say, I is just a young pup. But here's what I hope. I hope that I'm not always talking about yesterday and a few years ago and a decade ago and about the glory days. I want to continue to experience and live out glory days in my life. And I look at some people in my life and I realize that they have uh, figured something out. And they're still today in several seasons of life ahead of me even, still living in their glory days. Couldn't throw a football if their life depended on them, but they're living in their glory days now. They can look back and see other glory days, but like great things are still happening in their life. My dad's 78 years old and I look at my dad. My dad's still living in his glory days. He, he, he's got something figured out. There are many of you in this room that are way ahead of me in life, and I watch you, and I see you today, and you're in your glory days because you've gotten something figured out. In the past uh, few weeks, I've been able to attend two weddings, and it just so happens that in both these weddings uh, that I was invited to be a part of, which I felt very honored just to get an invitation and to be a part of them, they were actually for... Um, people that I was a part of their lives uh, since they were kids. And now they're adults and, and they've grown up and God's connecting them with incredible people and they stood on a stage and they said vows to one another and I watched them and listened to them, got to interact with them over meals and talk with them. And both of them shared things with me that just reminded me and caused me to remember what it's all about and what glory days are all about. And both of them, and I don't say this to be uh, proud or whatever. I'm just telling you, like, this is where it's at. Both of these people, one was the, the bride in one wedding and one was the groom in another wedding. Both of those people shared with me about the impact that I had on their life. And that one of the reasons why today they are following Jesus is because of me. 
You think that was an awesome, incredible moment for me to experience with those people? And to remember that, like, that's what it really is all about. But I think a lot of us, sometimes we get going through life and we miss it completely. And we're about everything except for what we ought to be about. I want to live for Jesus so others will live for Jesus. It's what I want this church to be all about. The way we say it around here, the way we word it is helping others find and follow Jesus. Helping others find and follow Jesus. It's going to come on the screen. I want you to say it with me, okay? Here's what we're all about. We're about helping people find and follow Jesus. Say it again. Helping people find and follow Jesus. It's massive. This is why we are here. It is for this that we exist. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Check out John chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse number 20. John chapter 12, and in verse number 20, we're going to begin reading. Uh, I'll just go ahead and warn you, like, the windscreen off this thing is gone, and so if I, a little bit more than normal, my apologies. Um, But here we go, in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 20. Story, when Jesus was here walking on this earth, it says some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Now, I would suggest to you that anybody that knows anything at all about Jesus, anything at all about him, and had the chance to meet him, would be crazy to say, no, I don't want to meet him. I mean, like, even if you don't believe in Jesus or don't buy into, like, who he is, just to know about who he was historically and what he supposedly, and I'm saying that from a doubter's perspective maybe, supposedly did during his lifetime. Like, who wouldn't want to sit down with the guy and say, I want to chat with you. I want to, I want to see if you're for real or not. And for those of us who are believers, like, who in this room, if you had the opportunity to sit down with Jesus, like, you wouldn't say, hey, can I get a spot next to Jesus because I really want to talk to him. And so these two guys have been seeing Jesus do miracles and been hearing him do amazing things. And they're like, hey, we've got a connection here through these two guys, so let's ask them if we can meet Jesus. Verse 23, Jesus replied because Philip and Andrew went to Jesus and asked him. And here's what Jesus said to them when they made the request. Hey, these guys want to meet you. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter in his what? Glory. That sounds kind of cool, right? We're talking about glory now, getting in those glory days. This sounds really fun, really exciting. What's Jesus about to tell us? Verse 23, excuse me, verse 24. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. Wait a minute, like, we went from talking about glory to, it almost sounds like he's talking about death now. In fact, it would seem that maybe Jesus is beginning to talk about his own death now. I thought we were talking about glory. Um, and so Jesus begins to share his heart and his, his passion with his guys. 
Um, I'm good friends with a guy named Bob Goff. He's a very well-known author and a very successful attorney. And the reason why I call myself a good friend of his is because I've had a conversation with him and he gave me his phone number. So that's the reason why I think I'm a good friend. He's a phenomenal guy. If you ever want to pick up one of his books, I suggest. I think he's got a book called Love Does. It's unbelievable. And if you get to know Bob at all, you read one of his books, or he has a chance to talk to you, you're going to hear him talk about his eight. He always talks about his eight. And here's what Bob has figured out. He's in uh, probably his early 70s now, and he's lived a pretty long life. And he's figured out that you can fit about eight people around a hospital bed. And he knows who his eight are. Like, they know, like, if he gets in the hospital, who they are and that they're supposed to be there. And if Bob Goff is laying on his deathbed and you're one of the eight, I'm thinking you're doing what I'm doing. You're leaning in to see what this guy's got to say just before he goes, right? Well, Jesus gathers up his eight, his 12, really. And he begins to share with them deathbed stuff. Like, guys, I'm about to go. I'm about to die, and so I want to leave you with. And he begins to talk about his death, and he begins to talk about what it's all about. Look at verse number 25. Jesus goes on and says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their, their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Now, let's not slide past that too quick. Read it again. Verse 25. Those who love their life in this world will what? They will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will do what? They will keep it for eternity. And so Jesus begins to paint this picture of what life is all about and what really lasts and what's really going to make an impact and what's really going to cause you and others to experience what we would call glory days. Verse 26, he really gets down to it. And he says, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Again, I don't want us to miss it. Verse 26, anyone. Now that first word gives me great hope and hopefully gives you great hope and encouragement for Jesus to come along and say, anyone. It's like he opens the door wide open. He's like, hey, if you want to experience me, this is how you do it. And yes, I'm talking to you. And yes, I'm talking to you. And yes, I'm talking to you. Like this isn't like a a closed thing. This isn't like a club that only a few people can get in. But I'm opening the door wide open to you. And if you really want to experience me and life and what it's all about, this is how you do it. So there's opportunity for me. There's opportunity for you. He opens up the door wide. He makes it narrow by saying, okay, if you want it, then this is how you get it. This is how you experience it. Anyone who wants to be my disciple, and there's a word that we don't really grasp very much. I would even venture to say that potentially we don't use very much in our everyday language. I would even go so far as to say that amongst church-going people, we don't use that word very much today. I think there's several reasons why we don't use that word very much today. I think one of the reasons is because we don't even know what it means. We just think it's like a Bible word that was good a couple thousand years ago, 
and Jesus talked about it, and it really doesn't have anything to do with us today. Um, and so we've kind of gotten our minds maybe what, what, it, what it could be um, when he says to be his disciple. And here's Jesus on his deathbed, literally about to go and die. And he's sharing with me, he's sharing with you through written scripture. He's sharing with these guys with the words of his mouth what life is really all about. What carries purpose and meaning, and what's going to make a difference, not just in our lives so that things can be cool with us and better, but like how we can make a difference in other people's lives and how we can save our life for eternity, previous verse. And so Jesus begins to talk about this call that's upon anyone, and it's to be my disciple. And some of you may be like, oh, yeah, I got that. Like, okay. Like, maybe, you know, our understanding of disciple goes something like this, okay? This is where it lands for a lot of people. And if this is you, I'm not here to rough you up. I'm not here to make you feel bad. But we got to get this, guys. we got to capture this. we gotta, we got to embrace this for everything that it is. But a lot of times today, here's what we've reduced being a disciple to. Okay? You ready? Two things. Number one, go to church. Well, you're halfway there because you're here this morning, right? Go to church. Second thing. Say that you're a Christian. So if I go to church and I say that I'm a Christian, then I'm a disciple. And yet Jesus here in verse number 26 defines what it looks like to be his disciple. He says anyone who wants to be my disciple, he doesn't say must go to church and tell other people I'm a Christian. He says they must follow me. So he defines what it is to be a disciple. And we try to complicate being a disciple a lot of times. I think it's one reason why we don't talk about it because we, we think it's too complicated. But here's what I'm here to suggest to you this morning. Every single person in this room, young and old, understands how to be a disciple. We understand how to follow others. We understand how to look at somebody, model what they do by following them, and become like them. That's what a disciple is. You follow somebody long enough that you start becoming like them. Got a short video for you that kind of shows you how easy it is to become someone's disciple. It's NBA season, I don't know. Game two's coming up tonight. And uh, so check this out. Got a cool thing going on right here, okay? That's Mr. Westbrook. If you've ever seen him, that's what it looks like right there. These guys are imitating. LeBron James. The best is coming with the flop. With the flop. Steph Curry. Kobe Bryant. All right, Brandon, here we go. It's my favorite. It's James Harden. Go down to the boys' club. Go down to the high school. 
Watch these kids practice, and I guarantee you, you will see many of them looking and acting very much like the people that you just saw on screen. When I was a kid, we imitated the greatest player of all time. My tug wouldn't be hanging out. I would think I'm jumping high and staying long in the air. I had the shoes. I thought I had the moves. But you know what I was doing? I was watching somebody. I was following somebody. And I was trying to become like somebody. Kids know how to do it. Adults know how to do it. We know how to follow. We know how to be a disciple. Here's where we get mixed up. We don't know who we're supposed to follow. We're following all kinds of people and all kinds of things and all kinds of paths other than the one that created and established everything whose name is Jesus who gives us this invitation to come and follow him. To come and follow him. Amen. You can celebrate that. Yes. That's where we need to be. Don't hold back. Anyone can say they go to church. Anyone can say they're a Christian. Let me ask this question. Where in Scripture are we called to say that we're a Christian? Where in Scripture are we called to say that we're a Christian? You can't find it. We're called to be disciples. We're called to be disciples. And as we begin to follow Jesus, we're going to begin to look like him. It's impossible to follow someone, to be a disciple of someone, and not ending up looking like that person. And I'm going to pause right now. I don't want you to be distracted. A lot of people are about to get up and move. Some of these folks are going to get up and move. But you know why? Because right now they're getting ready to follow Jesus. I know that may sound crazy, but they're getting up and they're going to get ready to do something that is following Jesus. And it's going to be beautiful in just a few moments. That's our call is to follow Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus goes on. He says, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? In other words, Jesus is saying, like, I'm about to do something that I really, really rather not do. Jesus right now is wrestling with the idea that he's about to go to the cross and die for the sins of all mankind. For my sin, for your sin, for the people who aren't here this morning's sin, for the people that are church across town's sin, for the people that have never been to church, their sin. For the people that have lived before us and before them. The people that have never believed in him. The people that never will believe in him. He is getting ready to go die on a cross for their sins. And he's like, this is like painting me inside. I'm deeply troubled in this side. And should I pray like, God, Father, I'm not going to do this? And then he says, but this is the very reason I came. Jesus knew why he came. He knew what his purpose is. He knew what his mission is. He knew why he was here. In verse 28, the first part of that verse says, Father, bring glory to your name. We have the example of Jesus of how to live in glory days. Did Jesus experience this glory that Looked like death, absolutely, but he also experienced the glory that looked like resurrection because Jesus didn't stay dead. Three days later, he got up from the dead and he's still alive today and he's still experiencing glory days. Can Jesus point back to 2,000 years ago and say, hey, that was an incredible, 
world-changing moment when I died on the cross and rose again from the grave? Absolutely. But Jesus also can point to today and say, listen, because I did that, glory days are still happening. Lives are still radically being changed. And even though it wasn't easy, and even though it was messy, and even though it was excruciating, even though it was painful, and even though it was awkward, and even though it was uncomfortable, and even though I didn't really want to do it, I did it anyway. And I'm your example, and I'm asking you to follow me, to follow me. Because this is the way that you really live. You set your life aside, you pick up my life, and you really, really live. And you really experience what he's got for you. Disciples follow Jesus. Disciples don't just talk about Jesus. Disciples don't just show up at church and worship Jesus. Disciples don't just, you know, read a book about Jesus. Disciples follow Jesus. They watch him, they listen to him, they imitate him, they do what he says, and over time, you and I that are following him, we begin to look like him. And it isn't about looking better. It's about being better. It's about you and I together following Jesus, becoming healthier, holier, bolder, kinder, gentler, livelier, and here's my new word for you today, gracier. I like to make up words. You don't know how to spell that one. I thought it through. It's G-R-A-C-Y-E-R. That's how I'm going with it. Grace-er. Do I need more grace in my life? Yes. Do I need to give more grace to the other people around me? Yes. I need to become gracier. Your marriage needs grace. Your parenting, praise Jesus, needs grace. Uh, I was sitting down with a family the other day, and we were talking about their kids. In fact, uh, their kids are about to follow Jesus in baptism in just a few moments. And, and we were having a moment. They're like, man, we really try to have an atmosphere to talk about Jesus in our home. And, and they were very sincere, and I, I know they are, and they do that. And, and I was just honest, like, we do too in our house amid all the screaming. I was serious. I, I mean, like, I, our house isn't perfect. Are you with me? Like, we need a lot of grace. We need a lot of grace. You need a lot more grace at your workplace. Everybody say amen. Yeah, for sure you do. For sure you do. And sometimes you think you're the only one giving it out. Okay, I, I get that. That's why God's got you there, to be an example of his grace. You're not there to get a paycheck. That's just like a side benefit of you being there to be an example of God's grace. Every area of our lives, we need to be gracier, if you will. As we follow Jesus together, these things do happen. We go to church. Absolutely we go to church. That is a result of deciding to follow Jesus. That's not what makes you a follower of Jesus. That's just what you do as a follower of Jesus. People, listen to me, people start calling us Christians. You realize that's how it happened in Scripture. People were disciples. They were followers of Jesus. And in following Jesus, they started looking like Jesus. And other people who were not followers of Jesus started calling the followers of Jesus Christians. They said they're Christ-like. They didn't say, hey, I'm a Christian. They just followed Jesus. 
and they shared Jesus and they loved Jesus and people said, you guys are Christians. You start following Jesus, you won't have to tell people you're a Christian. They'll call you a Christian. You start following Jesus, you'll get baptized. In just a few moments, we're going to have a lot of great examples before us of people that are willing to follow Jesus publicly. Baptism, I'll be the first to admit, and I've been in church all my life, and I couldn't even tell you how many people that I've baptized. In fact, uh, the two people that uh, got married that I was talking about earlier, I baptized both of them, and it's been so long ago, and been honestly, a lot of people, and I'm like, hey, how old were you when I baptized you? You know, like they had to remind me and all that kind of good stuff. But I'll be the first to tell you that like getting wet in public, like going underwater and back up when everybody else doesn't have a swimsuit on is really, really weird. But it's the example that Jesus set for us. Jesus was baptized in water and he identified with the Father as the Son. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you are a child of God. And the way that you publicly identify with Jesus as your Lord and God as your Father is through baptism. So what you're about to witness in just a moment are people taking steps of obedience and following and becoming like Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you want to continue to be a follower of Jesus in the way that Jesus wants you to follow him, you're going to do what he tells you to do. And one of those things he tells you to do is to be baptized. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. This next one is going to be for some of you, um, a little bit of a curveball. For some of you, it's new information. For some of you, are like, I wish he would get off of this, but I'm telling you, it's a big deal. If you really follow Jesus, you'll do all these things and so many more. And what I'm, I want to point out to you is you will get into an HC group. Listen, we're not talking about a fad here. We're not talking about something we've, like, attached on to what you do if you go to church here. We're talking about calling you to do things that help you become the follower of Jesus that he wants you to be. You look at scripture. You look at followers of Jesus. What did they do? They got together often in big gatherings. They also got together in small gatherings so that they could experience life together and grow together as followers of Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to be around other disciples. You've got to do life with other disciples. And here's what other disciples will bring into your world and you will bring into theirs. Other disciples will provide accountability to one another. Spiritual direction. Help us address our emotional stuff. Help us hang in there and not give up. Have you ever in life, in marriage, in parenting, in following Jesus, in work, in whatever, just like hit a point, you're like, you know what, I want out, I want to be done. And if somebody doesn't come along at the right time and say, nope, hang in there, it's worth it, you tap out. You tap out. Some of you right now are on the verge of tapping out. You're on the verge of quitting. You're on the verge of saying, I've had enough, I'm done. And you need some other people to come along in your life and say, you know what, I know it's hard, I get it, I'm with you, but don't stop. Don't stop. Your marriage is not doing well, don't quit. Listen to me, church, don't quit. Don't quit. But you don't just need to hear it from me. You need to hear from some other people in your life. You've got to get around some other disciples that are following Jesus with you to speak that in your world and to pray into you. These other people, these other disciples are going to provide wisdom and input into your life. They're going to share insight potentially because they're a stage or two ahead of you in life. I love asking people who are ahead of me in life like their, their words of advice. 
Leon and Betty Riggs. Um, they uh, have been married for a lot of years. They've been married, I don't know, probably pushing maybe over 60 years now. I don't know. They've been married a long, long time. And they were well over the 50-year mark when I asked them this. So, yeah, they're well over the 60-year mark. Anyway, <clears throat> they may be on like their 55th anniversary. He's one of the little, little smallest, sweetest, boldest men you've ever met. met. And I got with Leon and Betty, and I said, hey, I want to know your trick. Give me, give me your one thing that's been like the trick for y'all being married 55 years. I mean, there's so many stages of life ahead of me, and I want to learn something. Here's what Leon Riggs told me. Always play footsies with your wife. <laughs> Process that. Over 60 years. Still going. People that are ahead of us in life can speak into us. That's part of discipleship. Listen, if one person knows one more thing about Jesus than you do, they can disciple you. If you know one more thing about Jesus than they do, you can disciple them. It's doing this together. It's following Jesus together. People to walk alongside of us, to labor together in the same cause. This whole thing of following Jesus. Wow. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, follow me. So how do I become a disciple? Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and we're so glad that you're here. It's the reason why I think it's really cool that anybody can come to church. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And so today, you may be hearing all this and, and wrestling with this a little bit. Maybe it's the first time you've heard it. Maybe it's the first time you've been listening to it. Maybe for it's the first time in a long time you've been considering this whole idea Church, Christianity, Jesus, whatever that is, and like you're hearing all this right now, and, and you're like, okay, well, if that's what we're supposed to do, then like, wh- how do I become a disciple? So, for just a moment, I want you to understand that a king is coming, okay? His name is Jesus. He came the first time to seek and to save, but he's coming back again one day to rule and to reign. Now, when the king comes to town, you've got two choices. And you can imagine for just a moment that you've got this big, powerful king of this earth, if you will, that that you can maybe imagine, maybe this dictator or whatever, that might want to come in and take over. So you can put that in your imagination. But I want you to get bigger than that, and I want you to understand this is going to happen. And one of these days, the king is coming, and he's going to come to rule and reign. You've got two choices when he comes back. You can either decide, am I big enough, strong enough, powerful enough to fight him and take his kingdom over and me rule and reign? Or should I figure out how to make peace with him before he comes to town? Because see, that's what Jesus came bringing, this whole death that he was describing to his, to his followers, this glory that he was speaking of, this death on the cross that he was speaking of. It's to make peace with you and with me. He is this big, powerful king, but he's also this loving Savior that died in your place to provide a peace with you and and, and him together that no other way could you figure it out. You can't go to church enough. You can't get wet enough in public. You can't do enough good things. The only way to make peace with the king, whose name is Jesus, is by placing your faith and trust that he died for your sin, which we have much of. And that he didn't stay dead, but that he came back from the dead 
and that you're placing your faith in him is able to wipe away all of your sin and make you right with him so that you can have peace with him. That's how you become and start following Jesus. That's how you start following Jesus. And then from there, you just keep looking at Jesus, and you have other people that help you look at Jesus, and, and you start following him together, and you start talking about this stuff like baptism, and you start talking about the stuff that like you can find in Scripture and, and, and do what he tells us to do. And let me tell you something else. Those of you that are already following Jesus, you're going to hear me say this several times as we go throughout this. You are, you are, you are. It's so important. Listen to me. If you're already saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, great. Listen to me closely. You following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus is not about you imposing upon them your values and preferences. I think it's where a lot of us are frustrated. Because in our idea of discipleship, it's about people coming like me, thinking like me, valuing what I value, preferring what I prefer. Let me tell you something. There are some things that I do you do not need to imitate. There are some things that I prefer you do not need to prefer. There are some things I value that you do not need to value. But here's what I'm here to tell you, that if I point you to Jesus and you point me to Jesus, we are going to be on track and going where we need to go. Just tell people what Jesus has shown you and help them in following him. We don't want to make people look like us. We want people to look like Jesus. So my job is to begin to look more and more like Jesus. More and more like Jesus. I'm going to wrap this all up with one simple next step for every single one of us in this room. Okay? For you to consider taking today. Hear and answer the call to follow Jesus. You're like, well, man, he's talking to people that don't come to church very often. They need to get saved. Sure. Absolutely, but before we speak to them, listen to me, church. Hear and answer the call to follow Jesus. I didn't say to go to church and tell people you're a Christian. The call to follow Jesus. The call to say, okay, what is Jesus doing? That's what I want to do. Okay, what does Jesus tell me to do? That's what I want to do. I want to look like Jesus. That is the call for us. That is the call for us. If you've never placed your faith and your life in the hands and in the arms of Jesus, yes, the call is there for you too to place your faith in Jesus and to begin to follow him. And I just want to suggest to all of you who would say, I've already done that, that if we would really start following Jesus, a lot more people would place their faith in Jesus. That's my hope. That's my prayer. I'm just here to tell you, you're going to hear more of this over the next few weeks because it's what we need more of. We need what Jesus has called us to do. We need to become the church that Jesus has called us to be. We need to become the people that God has called us to be. We need to become the marriages that Jesus has called us to be, the parents that Jesus has called us to be, the kids that Jesus has called us to be. We need to become the people that God has called us to be. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. After this prayer, you're going to witness several people following Jesus in baptism. Um, you know this. We celebrate baptisms at Holland Chapel, do we not? I mean, we get kind of loud and 
We hoot and we holler, maybe like we should a little bit more every time we talk about Jesus, all right? So we're going to celebrate, and we're going to just, just, just bless these guys with encouragement because they're taking a very bold, courageous, public step of following Jesus. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Here's what my prayer is. My prayer is that we celebrate it. I also pray that it encourages each and every one of us to either continue following Jesus or to begin following Jesus. And if you're one of those people like, I need to begin following Jesus. I'm hearing this. I'm getting this. May you watch these people take these incredible um, steps of faith in their life and may encourage you in your following Jesus. And here's what I want to invite you to do today, that if you need to respond to Jesus today in faith and Him becoming your Lord and your Savior, church, I'm going to put us all out there, okay, church? Everybody, like, you're, you're part of this church, listen to me. When we get done, I'm going to be down here. Our other pastors will be around the building. Some may even be outside. Feel free to find any single one of us, and we'd love to help you take that first step of faith. But here's what I will say. Not only can we help you do that, most likely the person that's sitting beside you that comes here regularly who's already following Jesus could help you do the very same thing. It's not complicated. Who's Jesus? God, what did he do for us? Lived his life perfectly, died horrifically, rose up triumphantly for all of our sin. Place your faith in him. Guess what he will do? Change your life forever. And guess what we'll do together? We will follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be here and to be together, to follow you, not just by ourselves, but to follow you together, to experience your grace together and to experience your forgiveness together and to experience your blessings together, to witness a bunch of people being baptized In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are so excited. We're so ready to celebrate. And together, as we follow you, we want more people to follow you because we believe it changes our lives. And we believe that it will change anyone else's life if they're willing to follow you. And we want to help them follow Jesus. May we follow you. Today, may we leave here, those of us who are already believers just with this mentality that we will follow. May other people that are here, may other people who aren't in this building, but are going to see us throughout the weeks and the days to come, just see us following Jesus and want to join in with that. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We praise you and we glorify you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.